Good morning. I feel uh, naked here because I don't have a music stand. <laughs> hey, uh, last week I talked briefly about just the fact that we've recognized, as many of you have, that we've lost a little bit of the ability to connect relationally over the last few months. Uh, part of it was moving to this facility and the fixed chairs and the lighting. Part of it was COVID and a bunch of other things. Uh, and I mentioned last week that uh, I had a couple of ingredients in addressing that. I got real short here all of a sudden. That's good. Uh, and one of those ingredients was tea and coffee, which Johan mentioned, and uh, coming back to that, which we're hoping to do in the next couple of weeks. But another ingredient in addressing that is that we're actually going to be moving to another venue. So that's, a, that's an exciting thing. Uh, we're planning to move to the ARC Center. Most This is not a secret. Most of you are aware of that. We've been praying that way. Uh, they're hoping to have the remodel done the beginning of December. So we're planning to move in sometime early in the new year, depending on whether it actually gets done or not. Tim's got some... Uh, tell us a little bit about that venue. Turned on? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it looks like now. No, it isn't. <laughs> Close to that. I can't get this thing to go. Next. Just go next. Go next. There we go. That's what it actually looks like. Um, many of you will recognise this building. Uh, community Church gathered there a number of years ago. And uh, it's been uh, dormant for some time. Um, we filled some of you in, but just to fill in the rest of you, City Mission bought this property uh, about three years ago. And uh, it's just coming to the tail end of a remodel now. Uh, keep going. That's what it looked like yesterday. <laughs> so that's the auditorium space there. Um, and one of the things that this, this room doesn't reflect for us is that uh, it's hard to move around. It's dark. We're not a... Uh, nightclub theatre style church we never will be we never set out to be that so if you're if you're here and wondering about that that's not our intention it will look very much like this with some carpet and bits and pieces and uh, painted up and looking all nice but keep ticking through um, there's a space for kids out the back keep going there's a big room for our youth ministry now the big change is going to be just for your interest um, the entry will now be around the back of the building. Now, the circular staircase that you might remember from that place is gone, and we're going to build a lift shaft with a staircase that wraps around that at the back of the building. And actually, what will happen is you'll walk into that, and the foyer will be like... Oh, right there in front of you, um, with nothing to obstruct it and go up in the stairs or in the lift, and, uh, yeah, keep ticking along. It's absolutely amazing. Now, you'll be also pleased to know that I stuck my head in there on Friday... And these huge poles that you can see there, these tree trunks, there's four of them that hold the centre of the building up, they're a hue and pine. 
They're the largest Huon pine logs we believe possibly in the world. They're at least 800 years old uh, and they've been sandblasted. <laughs> Yay. So that happened on Friday and I, uh, had, I haven't got a picture but they look absolutely amazing. Uh, keep ticking over. So that's kind of, it gets you, gives you a bit of an idea of what you'll see when you walk in. Uh, it'll be, you know, less electrically dangerous than that um, and much better finished. But that's the plan. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, and I can uh, show you through, if you want to come see me afterwards, I can, we can talk in a bit more detail about what that's going to look like and how it'll work for us as a church and how it will work for City Mission. But there's uh, many more cool details which I'll leave to Russ. Well, just uh, as... Tim said, why are we moving here? One, the auditorium is more conducive to how we want to see church. There's more room for kids. There's a kitchen, commercial kitchen we can use. And uh, then our rent goes to City Mission instead of a commercial enterprise. Uh, In doing this, we're going to buy 400 chairs and a sound system, an AV system, as a gift to City Mission. The cost of that will be about $100,000. Here's the good news. It's already paid for. We're not asking you to give more because you've already given. And that's a wonderful thing. When we understand God's pattern, he's our source, we can be generous with tithes and offerings. And as we are, then there's more than sufficient in his plan for, for all of us. And so I want to thank you, one, for your generosity uh, as we understand that. The other side of that coin is that as a leadership team, we have a commitment to live within God's pattern and not to uh, spend more money than we have or to pressure you to give more uh, and we're able to do that. We don't, we're moving to a building. We won't own that. City Mission owns it. We don't see any real reason for us to purchase or own a building. Uh, it's just, uh, just not necessary. And so we don't have a mortgage. So we have a much lower overhead, which allows us to put money aside for other things. So there's going to be some other things. Even though we're not asking you to give more, there'll be some things you can do as we move. <clears throat> some help in moving things. Uh, Tim will have some more of that later. Uh, we just want, want you to know, any change, unfortunately, can be unsettling for some people. And so that's why we want to get it out to you as early as we could, just so that we can be helping each other, okay? I'm a rare person in that I have moved, Mary and I have moved internationally 11 times. We have moved about uh, three dozen times, and so I don't have the same unsettledness about changing venues. But I realize that I'm probably a little bit different than most people. So just as we're moving through that, if we could just help one another. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I will get through this. We started... A few weeks ago, this is the fourth in a series on the glorious church. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
but that she should be holy and without blemish. Just a quick review. We've been talking about uh, the church as a gathering of people, which is what the word means, in love with Jesus and focused on Jesus as the bridegroom and the head of the church. Very first thing is the glorious church is focused on him. It's not focused on us. It's focused on him. But that gathering of people is a people filled with supernatural love and grace. I realize that as I share these things, we're probably going to be challenged in them. And so we just need to be aware of God working in us. A church where everyone has a part to play with a hard attitude of serving. Today, I want to talk about God's strategy for advancing his kingdom and reaching the world is his church. And so it's interesting that the worship went that direction and the words about God's heart going beyond us. You would think there's the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Thessalonians chapter one. Verse one, Paul, Savannah, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. His, he addresses it to the church. Ephesians is addressed to the saints. Philippians is addressed to the saints along with the uh, elders and deacons. You find that the majority of the epistles are addressed to people, the saints, to the church. Later on, there, some of them are addressed to certain people. Paul addresses to Timothy, to Titus. And then beyond that, they're called by the name of the person who wrote them because they're addressed to not a specific group of people, but to everyone. But the majority are actually addressed to people, to the saints, which I find interesting. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God, of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, that means that God chose you and put you here. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. That power is not just miracles, but it's the power to change lives. It's the power to transform when the gospel comes in power. Uh, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples or a model to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, which is our hope whom he raised from the dead, even Christ who delivered us from the wrath to come. He basically says, you became an example 
And then he says the purpose. For from you, the word of the Lord sounded forth. From you, the love of God. From you, the heart of God reached out beyond you. We receive it. They responded. We've responded. But God's plan and purpose is for us, but also beyond us. But turn with me to Acts chapter 17, because I want you to see what I found quite amazing. Verse 1 to 4 talks about this church. When they had passed through, talking about uh, Paul and his team, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scripture, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ, the Messiah. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Three weeks. This church that became a model to all of Macedonia because the gospel that sounded forth had input for three weeks. That was it. They received something of the truth of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they had an impact. In the bigger uh, background, Matthew 28. You all know this. We've talked about it before, and many have. But uh, from verse 18, and the Lord spoke to them, saying, Jesus came and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Interesting, it seems like it doesn't take a whole lifetime to make a disciple of Jesus. In fact, from Acts 17, we can say it takes as little as three weeks. Interesting thought, huh? So, some, some thoughts for us. First, all of us are called to minister. We talked about that last week, with a heart to serve. In the church, but also beyond the church. We're called to minister to one another, but also beyond one another. God's focus isn't just within us. It's beyond us. A number of years ago, I was, uh, had a vision, one of the first visions that I'd had. And I, in the vision that I had, I was in a huge gathering of people worshiping Jesus. And it was like we were tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands, there worshiping Jesus. And he was in the front. And Everyone was just focused on him and worshiping him, and he was smiling. And then, then there was just this overall sense of the presence of God, and everyone just fell to their knees and bowed their head. And I was a bit cheeky. I looked up, 
And uh, I saw Jesus, and uh, he wasn't smiling. And he was actually looking over the heads of everyone. And I turned around to see what he was looking at. And way off in the distance were these people just walking by. They weren't worshiping Jesus. They were just walking by. And as I looked, I saw a tear come down his face. <laughs> Sorry. Something affected me. That in my love for Jesus, I have to receive not only his love for me, but his love for the lost. His focus is bigger. So how do we do that? We preach the gospel. Let me tell you what that means. Every one of us has a story of how Jesus saved us and is transforming us. One of my favorite things is to hear people's story about how Jesus pursued them and how, where we would be without him. He is changing us. But not only do we get to preach the gospel, but we get to minister the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? In the community, in the marketplace, and in other churches. Let me say that. I believe that God's plan for us as a church is to impact the community. We have a, a bunch of wonderful parachurch organizations in our city, but it's not their responsibility alone, and we can't abdicate the call of God on our lives to some other organization. The glorious church carries, embraces that responsibility. The marketplace, where we work, where we live, and equipping and strengthening other churches. There's a lot of ways to do that. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But I want to just briefly challenge us with a change of perception. Sociologists call it a paradigm shift. So I want to just maybe get you to think a little bit differently. And that is this. We're not sheep but shepherds. See, Jesus is the good shepherd, and the Bible does say that we're his sheep, but there's something that happens if our premise is that we're sheep waiting to be fed rather than shepherds being equipped. Jesus is the good shepherd. We're becoming like him, therefore we are shepherds. Shepherds of what? Shepherds of the city. You're, you're going to think differently if you see yourself as a shepherd of the city and not just a sheep coming to church to get fed, but a shepherd's gathering together to be equipped. Big difference. I've been meditating this week and realize that man's plan and strategy is almost always to centralize, to organize, and control. 
while God's plan and strategy is just the opposite, is to decentralize. He fills everyone with his spirit, three weeks, and then lets them go. Not a good plan if you're wanting to centralize. Yet, man, there's something in, in human nature that we want to control. And so there is this pressure to hierarchical uh, government uh, that we bring everyone under one. Someone has the, the say. Someone said to me uh, a few weeks ago that, again, I'm repeating what someone else said, but in the Catholic Church, obviously the Pope's the, the head guy, but there are seven cardinals who together are the only ones who can interpret the Bible and set church policy. Everyone else simply teaches what they say, and they can't, can't determine for themselves. Now, I'm not sure how true that is, but it's so in keeping with man's way of doing things. We determine, and it's got to be done this way. If God's plan is to decentralize, then we're going to see ourselves differently. We're going to see ourselves as the huddle. I grew up in the, the U.S., as most of you know. I think my accent gives me away. I'm an Australian citizen. Uh, we live here, and we love it. Someone had actually asked Mary a few weeks ago when we went back to visit our kids in the States that because we'd gone to visit, were we wanting to move back there? Absolutely. Absolutely not. We have no desire whatsoever to move back. We miss our kids. We went to visit them. But we just love it here. But my frame of thinking is often colored by my upbringing. And uh, I played American football. You call it gridiron. We never have called it gridiron in America. It's called uh, football. Uh, But I played that. And the, the concept is that you have a team and they get together in a huddle. And the quarterback calls the next play. And then they all line up at the line. And they all have different responsibilities. But t- together, those, that produces a certain play where they try and advance the football. And they do that. Then they come back and they call the next play. And so in a very real sense, as we gather together, we're worshiping Jesus. But we're actually in a huddle. The ministry that God calls us to isn't limited to what happens here. This is the huddle. This isn't the play. This isn't what advances the kingdom. This is what equips us so that we can advance the kingdom. This is what the, the play that's called so that the team can advance the ball down the field. The huddle doesn't advance the ball. You still with me? So, second thought on this is that we need the supernatural Holy Spirit. Mary and I were in Thailand a number of years ago. I met a uh, Baptist missionary, but it was in a spirit-filled church. And I was asking him about how that worked because I knew the, the denomination he was from. He was an American a missionary, Baptist, and I knew that they weren't really open to things of the Spirit. So I asked him, how does that actually work for him? And uh, he said this, 
out here, meaning in Thailand, when you're dealing with spiritual oppression and people who are demonized, you quickly realize that the power and leading of the Spirit is not a doctrine to be discussed in a theology class, but an absolute necessity. What's the point of this? Sitting in a congregation, enjoying church, doesn't actually require supernatural power. But when we start pushing back the forces of darkness, when we start advancing the kingdom in the world, we can't do that in human strength. When we're shepherding the city, I want to tell you, you can't do that in human strength. There's a, something that grieves me, and I believe it grieves Jesus. It's when believers have been taught wrong doctrine, so they're left to do the ministry in their own strength without the Holy Spirit. Good-hearted Diligent people get burnt out because they've been taught something that isn't correct and then set free to try and do this incredible privilege that we have of partnering with Jesus, but to do it in their own strength. And then they face opposition. I've been grieved by how many people I've seen who've been burned out. How many ministers? How many leaders? How many people? Good, diligent people who just get burnt out. Well, that grieves me. There's something else that grieves me as, as well. And that is, rather than that, those people are turned into sheep and told to sit quietly and leave the ministry to the professionals. That grieves me more because it basically says you've got nothing to offer. You've got to be a professional like me, whatever the professional is. You have to have certain degrees. You have to have certain... uh, diplomas or whatever it is that is necessary to qualify. Somebody forgot to tell the Thessalonians that. Three weeks. Very short training program. And then the only place, only place that I've so far found in the, in the Bible that says that you have become examples to all the believers. For from you, the, the gospel has gone out, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere. Not only in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, but to the other most parts of the earth. Not only in Invermay and Launceston and Tasmania, but to the nations. We can't do that in our own strength. So what does it mean for us? There's a lot of things.
I'm going to ask you to do something this morning, and it's going to seem a little bit different. Because I think the very first responsibility of shepherds is to pray. Acts 6.4 says, they said, uh, identify deacons, and we will commit ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Not the ministry of the word and prayer, prayer first. So I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. Because I would like us in application, in response to this, to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Launceston. Every one of us. Not leaving it to someone else. I get together with a number of pastors every week. We meet on Thursday mornings and we've been praying for a move of the Spirit of God. There's half a dozen, maybe eight sometimes. But see, if we leave it to them and say, they're the professionals, they're the shepherds. And we don't realize we're the shepherds. You are the shepherds of this city. You can't leave it to someone else. And the first responsibility of a shepherd is to pray. And the first thing this, this city needs is not better social services. It's not more prosperity. The first thing this city needs is a connection with Jesus that comes from an outpouring of his spirit. And so I'm going to ask us to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray like this. I'm going to ask you to pray out loud, all of us to pray out loud. If you have a language of the spirit, pray in that. If you don't, pray with your understanding. But pray. Okay, you're actually, by doing that, you're saying, Lord, I hear your word. Fiona had prayed. God, give us revelation. And then make us sensitive to respond to that. And so I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. We're going to take about two or three minutes and simply pray for a outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God in the city with the goal that people come to know Jesus. Okay, revival is people coming to know Jesus. The advancement of the kingdom is people getting saved. There's a whole lot of other ways we'll talk about in the next few weeks about what that looks like. How do we do that? But the goal is that people have to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And it's the Spirit of God that does that. Okay, I'm sorry, I've got to preach it now. Let's just begin. Take about two minutes and let's just pray for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. I just had to get you to stand up and move around because some of you were looking like you were going to fall asleep. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not true. Huh? <laughs> it was the preaching. It was my, that was what my son used to say. That, that, there's a number of responses, but one of the things I felt this week is that there are people who have become dry bones. People, good-hearted, diligent people who've tried hard to fulfill the, the things of the kingdom in their own strength, and they just actually become dry bones. And God wants to breathe life into them again. Uh, if that's you here, he could do that today. Many of us have experienced that. Many of us have been in the place where we were dry bones. 
Uh, some have been referred to or referred to themselves as the walking dead. No life, but still going through the motions, still doing the stuff. But there's something of the breath of God, the, the Spirit of God that comes and breathes life to dry bones. If that's you, God wants to do that to you. But it's not just for us. It's beyond us. There's a, unfortunately a whole lot of people who have become dry bones, and I believe many of them years ago prayed for the very move of God that we're beginning to see happen, and they're going to miss out because they've tried to do it without the power of the Spirit. So, we're going to be dismissed in a moment, but we're going to have an opportunity. If you'd like someone to pray with you, if you feel like you're dry bones and you need some life breathed in, we'd love to pray with you. If you've never submit, surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we'd love to, to help you with that and pray for you. It's not anything special you have to do. It's not that you have to earn God's favor. He simply says that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He never intended us to do this kingdom ministry in life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's actually to your benefit that I go away. Think about that. It's better for you that I leave because the Holy Spirit will come. And he will empower you. So, stand again if you would. Lord, thank you for your presence this morning, for the worship, for the words, for your heart. Lord, as we receive your heart and your love, as I felt overwhelmed in the worship just by your love, you then said that it's not just for us, but it's for others. And so, Lord, we simply hear that and respond to you. But we're smart enough to say we need your spirit. Lord, we don't have the ability. As disciplined and as diligent as we want to be, we don't have the ability without you. For all of us, would you fill us again? Holy Spirit, would you fill us again? Empower us. Lead us. Speak to us and make us hungry for your presence. And Lord, we have the privilege of that presence, not just on Sunday morning, but all of our life throughout the week. We carry your supernatural presence as we contact people. You're building a glorious church. Jesus, you said, I'll build my church. And we say, here am I. Build me. Change me. Empower me. Use me. That we together can be that glorious church and that light. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like someone to pray with you, there'd be some folks here in the front who'd love to do that. Just come to the front. 
Otherwise, take a moment, greet someone. Let's counteract the, the difficulties we have in this venue. And the next few weeks, we'll have coffee and tea. I'll have the privilege to say, stop and get some coffee on your way out and talk with somebody. We're not quite there yet, but we will be in the next few weeks. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> and say hello to Pip on the way out. Uh, have a wonderful, uh, wonderful afternoon and a great week, and let's just continue to see God at work.